Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the third and final hour of the Live with Rank program. I appreciate you tuning in, and it was what I assumed it was. I'm glad it was what I assumed it was, and that was a time difference. Online with us is Chris Line, staff attorney uh, from the Freedom from Religion Foundation. <laughs> We're Eastern Standard Time. Uh, he is uh, Central Time, and it was just uh, my fault. I should have made it more clear. So I want to introduce uh, Chris. Those of you who may have heard the beginning of the show when I brought this up, the county of uh, Leelanau, which is in the upper northern portion of the uh, state of Michigan, up north of Traverse City, that area around, I think it encompasses maybe Traverse City, was not sure, uh, was seeing prayers prior to their board meetings. Uh, the Freedom from Foundation, Freedom from Religion Foundation sent them a letter uh, in which I informed you said, in part, this, quote, we write to the request that the board end its prayer practice either by replacing it with a moment of silence or by removing it completely in order to respect the views of all Leelanau County residents, end quote. So I wanted to speak with someone from the organization. I reached out and find out why they went to such a, a um, out-of-the-way place. At like Leela, I phonetically spelled it, Leela now, and uh, requested that. And Chris was nice enough to say he'll come on and talk about it. So let me introduce Chris Line, staff attorney for the Freedom for, from Religion Foundation. Good morning, Chris, and welcome to the show. There we go. I, I appreciate you calling in. Thanks for having me. So how did you find out? of this country? How did your group find out about this county? Yeah, so um, FFRF is a national nonprofit organization. We operate across the entire country. We've got more than 37,000 members across the country um, and even more supporters. So in this case, we were actually contacted by a lot of people from the community. Um, so when the board decided to add prayer back to its meetings, um, a, a whole bunch of people from the area contacted us, and that's how we became aware. That's how we learned of most of the things. Um, we're told by local community members. They they know that we deal with this sort of thing, and so they come to us to, um, you know, ask for our assistance. Okay. So, there are property owners there. That's what someone reached out to me when I spoke about this earlier this morning, just kind of setting up uh, our, our interview. And he owns property up there, and he was wondering if these people who are... Um, against it were property owners there and actually went to the meetings themselves. Yeah, at least some, I mean, we were contacted by multiple people and, and there were multiple people who are actual community members. I mean, I presume they live there, so I presume they own property and I don't know what their rental status is, but 
Um, yeah, these are real community members who reached out to us. In fact, it's our understanding these people probably spoke at meetings and, you know, talked um, about this because uh, I don't think that our letter had a ton to do with, with change. Um, actually, you know, we wrote just to support the local community members. I believe that the local community members speaking out about it um, and the members of the board who agreed with us, I think that's who really made this change. Um, you know, we just wanted to support them. What is the position uh, of your group on I, – so the big thing you guys deal with is the separation of uh, state and church, correct? Correct. In fact, in your purpose, it says the purpose of the Freedom From Religion Foundation, as stated in its bylaws, are to promote the constitutional principle of separation of state and church and to educate the public on matters relating to non-theseism, Right. Yes, correct. And what is the definition for non-theism, if I'm saying that correctly? Non-theism is just um, non-religious. You know, so that's going to be atheists, humanists, agnostics, um, free thinkers. You know, it's a pretty broad group. Um, And then even more encompassing that often, and and usually more under the separation of state and church thing, is just um, minority religious groups often come up because they're often the ones also subjected to. you know, these issues, you know, and in America, it ends up being mostly, you know, we end up dealing with Christianity becoming infused in, in the state just because it's a majority Christian country. There's more Christians than anywhere else. Um, interestingly, I mean, Michigan is an interesting place because there actually are a couple of towns in Michigan that actually have sort of a Muslim majority. And where we have dealt with issues where Muslim was the um, religion that was feeding with the state that we needed to deal with. So well, it's mostly Christianity that we end up dealing with. You know, we oppose any um, religion tying to the state and sort of, you know, taking control. Or in this case, you know, we would be against any sort of prayer, not just Christian prayer, but any, you know, one religious domination taking over uh, a county board meeting and imposing prayer on everyone. Well, and that's good to hear. And I'm happy for that, that it isn't just to one religion or the other. It should be a, uh, for all if that's what you feel. Uh, my question always when dealing with groups like yourself is uh, try, how you tie the separation of church and state to the Constitution. Because nowhere in the Constitution does it say that there is a separation of church and state. In fact, you probably go to the First Amendment, and you know this, but let me, for my audience, uh, read it. The First Amendment says, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or protecting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of people peacefully to assemble and to petition the governor for a redress of grievances. So quite often groups like yourselves, yours and others, you know, point to that as the separation between church and state. And I always ask that same question to every group. Help me to understand where it says that in the Constitution. So uh, what common misconception is that all that matters is what is said in the Constitution. Um, I think anyone who understands constitutional law understands that uh, the Supreme Court takes those words, which often can be very minimal, um, and decides what that means. And we get those court cases, and then our court cases really are what make up our constitutional law besides just the document itself. So, um, you know, over time, the court rules make certain decisions based off of their interpretation of the Constitution, and then that is really what the law in our country is, is the Constitution as decided uh, through Supreme Court cases. 
Um, and so while, you know, what it says in the Constitution is no establishment, that has been found to mean that our government should be neutral with regard to religion, um, which makes sense because you, know, you can't freely exercise your religion if the government has an official religion and, and imposes an official religion upon you. You know, only in a country where there is no official government religion and government does not tie itself to religion can you truly be free to practice your religion. Yeah, but what what is the Supreme Court ruling that said there needs to be a separation between church and state because it's on our money? It's uh, when the president is inaugurated. Uh, There's quite a bit that's going on between our in the federal government between religion and government. Right. And that shouldn't I mean, it's going to happen because, you know, people are religious. And so when you have people people in government, you know, not only find its way in, the court cases have tried to do their best to ensure, you know, sort of the official religion. And there have been cases, you know, since since the Supreme Court has existed, um, just sort of shaping and um, defining what that looks like um, in this country. Um, so, you know, just to give an example, to kind of tie this back to this a little bit, you know, in Greece v. Galloway in 2014, the Supreme Court said basically, you know, yeah, you can have prayer at a government meeting um, in the way that Greece was doing it. Now, in Greece, what they were doing is allowing anyone to deliver prayer um, they at no point excluded uh, a certain religion from giving prayer. So they basically said, given that anyone can give a prayer, including atheists, agnostic, you know, minority, religious people, everyone like that, um, they, in that case, this practice is not being used to impose religion. It's not really fusing religion with the government, um, and so we're going to allow it. Uh, and so that's just sort of a way that, the, you know, Basically, the court deals in cases, not in, um, you know, broad swaths or broad statements. Um, and so the separation of church and state is really a policy and idea that can be found throughout, you know, dozens or possibly hundreds of court cases over the past 200 years coming down from the Supreme Court. Um, just reaffirming what I said that basically the government can't be officially endorsing religion. Um, and that while, you know, there will always be some religious people, you know, Different people in the government will have their own religions. They can't use the government as a platform to, you know, make those religions stronger, to push those religions on other people. But there's a lot of things that government do. You know, in fact, many people who are from atheist groups, you know, point to Jefferson and the letters that he wrote. And, you know, one of those letters said the quote, they argued that compel. Well, I shouldn't say what they argued in one that the compelling citizens to support through taxation a faith that they did not uh, follow violated their natural right to religious liberty. But there's a lot of things that we are compelled to do in in government. Uh, So if if we're going to say we can't compel people to do let's say we'll bring in religion with prayers. Well, you, then you shouldn't be able to compel me from, for paying for taxes for schools that I believe are teaching, you know, racist CRT or social justice issues or, uh, you know, supporting open borders. My taxes shouldn't go to that. So how do you get around that compelling uh, people, citizens to support in this case, prayers uh, when they're not part of that religion. Right. So the difference is that, this, you know, the, our Constitution has this establishment clause, which has been interpreted by the Supreme Court to say that 
this is a protected thing that, you know, you can't, religion cannot be imposed in that way. Uh, in the same way that, you know, if we added to the Constitution that, you know, CRT or whatever issue you're talking about was, uh, you know, something they couldn't impose, then that would be the same thing would apply. But the establishment cause, again, if you could point me directly, and you can email me later if you'd like, where it's saying that the establishment clause was put in place to protect uh, the government from people as opposed to the people from the government is what I'm I'm searching for. And I'm open to it. I just – there's a lot of things that people are compelled to in government that uh, they don't want to pay for, yet they have to pay for. Yes, it's pointed to the Constitution where they use the word religion, and but we all know that was they didn't want a an official religion like they had in Britain. They wanted you to be able to protect practice any religion here in the United States. We're at the end of the segment. Actually, we're way over, but I do appreciate you calling in. Any last points you want to make before you go? Um, no, I, I mean I think we pretty well covered it. I, I'm, like I said, we just wanted to weigh in and help. Okay. You know, these local activists who who had, had you know gotten the board to um, to remove prayer. So all right, thank thanks a lot time. for calling in. Yep, no problem. Have a good day. Uh, you too. That was Chris Lying, the staff attorney from the Freedom from Religion Foundation. What are you guys' thoughts? Lines are now open. Two six nine four four one nine five nine five. You're listening to the Live with Rank Show. You're listening to Live with Rank. I know I played that song already, but I was doing so many things, and that's the thing I could jump and find. Oh, my gosh. No, no, it was the very next one I could have used. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Live with Rank show. 269-441-9595 is the number. If you have a thought about what we're talking about, just had that interview with Chris Lyons, staff attorney for the Freedom from Religion Foundation. In fact, he believes that what Lenaway, uh, what the Lee Lenau County did was not due to them. They were just supporting it. It was due to people who were actually living in the area and showing up at the meetings. I guess their viewpoint is if you can't have every single person who's there say a prayer in whatever religion they're from, or, or believe in, then you shouldn't be able to. Uh, I get it. My concern, and it, it was interesting how he uh, avoided the the letter that so many of the groups do talk about Jefferson to, I think, a Baptist church or something, concerning uh, that the separation of church and state actually meant complete, a wall. I did find that interesting that he uh, was able to avoid that. I don't know of, and I can't remember, of any outright Supreme Court ruling that said that there is a wall there. Because if, if this, and as I said to that gentleman, if the if the Supreme Court ruled that there is an absolute wall between government and religion, We'd have to turn in all our money. It says in God we trust. And whenever someone is inaugurated into an office, they couldn't use a Bible or or a Koran or anything. But they do. 
again, 269-441-9595. Let's go back to the phone lines and let's go to Fred. Good morning, Fred. Welcome to the the show. Appreciate you calling in. Yes. uh, The last paragraph, I think, of uh, Article 6 of the United States Constitution says that no religious test should be required. And I think that would would have been an argument that the previous caller uh, could have used and, and probably could have used more effectively than anything he said. Well, I no, I don't think it's six because it's. I just did a quick look up on it, and it says all it's with doing with debts and other things. Um, so it must be. Oh, wait, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. right. No, it says, quote, the senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of several state legislatures and all executive and judicial offices, both of the United States and of several states shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support the Constitution. But no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Well, that just means that you have to be a Catholic or you have to be Jewish or you have to be Muslim or you have to be. Uh, Buddhist or whatever. That's what that means, though, Fred. Hello? Yes, but uh, no religious test means he cannot uh, be required to possess a religion, say. Right, they don't have to be religious. I'm sorry, that last point you said again? I said, I said that, right, you don't have to be religious. Or a certain religion. That's the point. Right. That's the point that he could have made, and he could have used that portion of uh, Article 6. All right. All right. Thanks a lot for pointing that out, Fred. Appreciate that very, very much. The line just opened up, 269-441-9595, if you would like to join us. I wrote a piece, for those of you who maybe weren't listening at the beginning of the show, can find it at my flagship station's website, wbckfm.com. To pay, pray or not to pray? That is the question. And the Michigan County votes to not pray. So you'll find out all the information that we've been talking about with Chris on the line, my uh, person I was interviewing, as well as just what what is going on here. 269-441-9595. You listen to Live with Rank, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Live with Rank show. Appreciate that. 269-441-9595 if you'd like to give us a call. Oh, before I move on to my caller, I wanted to let you know about friends of mine that many of you already know, the ladies at My Pure Health Solutions that basically saved me from a life of continuing to be overweight and more importantly, probably bad health. That was about eight years ago. And I've openly admitted to all you back when they came to me and say, how would you like to try this plan? And then if it works or you like it, you can endorse it for us. I, I, I did. But I did it for vanity reasons, just to lose weight. Didn't even think about the health issues until now. Until now, especially not only because of COVID before that, as I was getting older and saw my family members who are around my age, brothers who were dealing with ailments that I'm not, 
Could it be because of what I went through? Could be. So many of you struggle, like I did, with your weight issues. You could exercise, like I did. Didn't matter. You could try to eat proper because you think you are, like I did, and I wasn't. And that's the beauty of My Pure Health Solutions. It's their proprietary technology that looks at over 2,000 biomarkers and tells you what your body wants and what your body doesn't want. And when I put into my body what it doesn't want, my body reacts. And it reacts immediately. I told you guys about that with me and sugar. And when I eat properly, my body acts. And when I say eat properly, eat what my body wants. It doesn't mean you, you can't cheat for once in a while. I tell you I cheat. At least once a day a week. One day a week. But again, that's what this plan teaches you. So other ones tell you to drink this shake or eat my food or count these points. That's not what happens in this plan. They tell you what you should eat during the program and how you should eat it. And it's, it's, it's interesting. They scan you, all these things. But instead of listening to me about it, give them a call at 269-964-4044. The average client loses between 20 and 40 pounds in 40 days. And what they call a lot of inches. So they measure you because you could be gaining muscle and losing weight, which is a good thing, but it doesn't always show on the scale. So give them a call at 269-964-4044 today Tell them Rank sent you. You get a free consultation. It's very in-depth. You can ask them whatever you want. It could be on the phone or in person. I would suggest you go in person if you can. And you'll get $100 off the program. So that's my Pure Health Solutions. Check them out. Now we can go to Tom from Albion. Lines are open. Again, 269-441-9595. If you have a thought about anything we're talking about today, I haven't even got into the craziness that I learned about concerning Canada yesterday. Certainly the craziness of what's happening here. And now we found out that Putin has invaded Russia. And here in Michigan, we're dealing with all kinds of uh, different issues. So let's go and find out what Chris, excuse me, Tom from Albion wanted to continue our discussion about the separation of church and state in our constitution. Thanks, Tom, for holding on. Thank you. Um, two quick points. One, if the constitution, which was ratified, if I remember correctly, in 1789, 1790, somewhere around there, if that meant that no state could have a religion, then someone would have to answer why at least three states still collected taxes for a religion up until like the mid-1800s. Second, the justice, Supreme Court justice, I think it was the Everson case, who who had who was the one who sort of led the five to four decision that, that separated church and state? His name was Justice Hugo Black. He was a, a former senator from the state of Alabama. Now he was also, and this is public record, this is known. He was also a Klan member. And by about the time he made this decision, the Klan decided they didn't just hate blacks, they didn't just hate Jews, they also hated Catholics. And the case was a Catholic school. So bigotry and racism went into that decision. And again, it was a very narrowly split five four decision. To say that and to address Jefferson's letter, Jefferson was right about the separation of church and state to the extent that the federal government cannot establish a religion. It did nothing to prohibit the states from doing what they wanted to do. That's what the Constitution originally meant. 
we've sort of changed that around over the years, but that's what Jefferson's letter meant. And I get most of this information from the Hillsdale College professors who have written very extensively on this subject. What are the three states that had a an official... You know, I'm, I'm driving, Rank. I wanted okay. to look it up. I've, I've read about it before, and I remember reading the article. There were three states that still had re- religious taxes where they collected taxes to support religions well after the ratification of the Constitution. Well, I, I don't remember. Again, I'm driving in a vehicle. Right. I can't look it up. So. Well, it's like I said to that gentleman, uh, Chris, that if – show me the state – or excuse me, show me uh, the case in which they said there's an absolute wall because the, our federal government is breaking it every single second of every single day if that's true. And you would think at some point that would be corrected as simple as our money. We all use money to saying God we trust. And then you go into people who are um, inaugurated or brought into uh, whatever their position is with their hands on Bibles or Korans or or what have you. That wouldn't have been allowed either. So, all right, Tom. I I agree with you. There's an Everson case. Look up Everson case with Justice Hugo Black. That'll tell you everything you need to know about it. Thank you for your time. You have a great day. 269-441-9595 is the number if you would like to opine about what we're talking about today. Love to hear from you. All right, let's go to this. Did you hear about this? CDC openly admits that it doesn't want the public drawing conclusions from their data so they don't give it to you. You do realize that it is our data. Everything the government does is ours. Because we pay the taxes. Now, there are certain things we give the government the ability to make uh, secret, classified or what have you. But data? The CDC came out the other day and said certain coronavirus vaccine data. In fact, I heard somewhere upwards of 80% of the data that they have, they refuse to release. Well, the reason they refuse to release it, again, I'm using common sense, is because it goes against whatever their narrative is. The CDC published new data on the effectiveness of boosters in adults earlier in February, but it happened to left that leave out the data for 18 to 49-year-olds. And this is coming from the New York Times. The CDC believes the data is not yet ready to be released because of potential misinterpretation. Well, what does that mean? Potential misinterpretation. Data is data. So what are you, you, you're saying that you can't massage it enough to get to the result or the narrative you want? The CDC spokesman said, according to the New York Times, quote, basically at the end of the day, it's not yet ready for prime time. Priority when gathering any data is to ensure that it's accurate and actionable. Well, why is so many other countries accurate and actionable years before or a year before us and you're still sitting on it? Why is that? Now, the agency is blaming their outdated systems, so they want more money, I guess. The CDC's Deputy Director for Public Health Sciences and Surveillance said to the New York Times, quote, we want better, faster data that can lead to decision-making and actions at all levels of public health that can help us eliminate the lag in data that has held us back, end quote. Well, I wonder if anyone ever asked these people this. If you're telling us you don't have good enough data to make decisions, 
then what are you basing your decisions on? It appears that you're not basing your decisions on data because you just said that the data isn't ready. So if you're not basing your decisions on the data, which you said isn't ready, what are you basing it on? Now, the real doctors in the real world that work with real people, what are they relying on? Data from Israel to make COVID-19 vaccination recommendations to their patients. With all the money we give the CDC, why do we need to go to other countries? In fact, we probably paid for Israel's data. A Dr. Offit from the FDA said, quote, there's no reason that they should be better at collecting and putting forth data than we are. The CDC is in the principal epidemiological agency in this country. And so you would like to think the data came from them, end quote. But it didn't. An epidemiologist from the former COVID tracking project said, quote, we've been begging for that sort of granularity of data for two years. A better analysis builds public trust and it paints a much clearer picture of what's actually going on. We are at a much greater risk of misinterpreting the data with data vacuums than sharing the data with proper science communications and caveats. So what she means by that is by you guys holding this data back, some are reporting upwards of 80%. You're creating a vacuum of which these other doctors then have to make decisions. They can't be like government and not make a decision and wait and wait and wait and wait. They're dealing with real people with real issues right in front of their faces. So that's the vacuum that the CDC, they still haven't put out that any or very much data apparently on the CD, on the vaccine. And I think we all know why they haven't done that. Because it doesn't fit their narrative. Two six nine four four one nine five. Nine five. You're listening to the Live with Frank Show. We'll take one last break. Come back with one last segment of the day. You're listening to the Live with Frank Show. I appreciate that, as I say each and every time, because I do. Uh, now, a couple COVID things, and then we'll move on. I do do not have. I do not have the new numbers. Michigan decided a while ago that uh, COVID wasn't important enough to, and only wanted to release their data on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And and I bring it up in that when I put it in that context due to the fact that she was so, when, when it was Trump, it was important to get that number out all the time, every day. And then all of a sudden, when it was Biden, ah, you know, I guess it's not that important on saving lives necessarily that maybe that information, if they felt it saved lives, they'd move to Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yesterday, I didn't even realize it was President's Day, which means the greatest job in the world people got a day off. I was wondering why I didn't get any actual mail. And then I found out, well, it's a day off. One of the, I don't know, 40, 50 holidays they get 
Yes, I know that's an exaggeration. Now, there was a reason. Oh, it was the, the data. So I don't have new data. We are still working off of the same positive case and deaths here in the state of Michigan from last Friday because they don't report on Saturday, they don't report on Sunday, and they didn't report yesterday. Now, going back to the CDC and what I was saying prior to the break, the CDC saying that we're not going to release where's it, 70, 80% of our data because the public's not ready for it yet and they may misinterpret it. Which is this them saying to you that it's so against our narrative that we can't even massage it enough to let you see it because then the gig's up. Two years into it and we're still dealing with this? So the question you should always ask yourself is how much wrong do you get to be and still say you represent science? Think about that with all these people. How much wrong do you get to be while still representing science? Also, I'd like to bring these up to show you the hypocrisy in the media. As you know, the media, mainstream manipulative media, celebrates. Celebrates when a person dies of COVID and they have never been vaccinated or they may be against vaccinations. And you can tell by the way they write the headline and certainly in the first paragraph, but they don't do the same when people who are, I need to take 14 vaccines, wear 84 masks and live in a bubble when they die of COVID. Here's another example in the Detroit Free Press. Macomb County family man and therapist, a light in the lives of many, died of COVID-19. And then it goes on to tell us, now this gentleman, it's unfortunate for him and his family. I'm not going to give you their names, his names. He was an older man, 78 years old. In the 13th paragraph, 13th paragraph, always, almost always in the first, if not the second paragraph, when the mainstream manipulative media is celebrating a person who didn't get a vaccination's death, it'll be in the first, if it's not in the headline, it'll be the first or second paragraph. I had to go 13 paragraphs into this article to read that he had underlying health conditions and was vaccinated and had a booster shot. All I ask is that these papers don't rebel when someone dies of COVID. Don't celebrate that they die of COVID and they were someone who didn't take the vaccine, but then lift up people who die of COVID. And then you have to mention at 13 paragraphs in that they've had every vaccination possible and a booster. Now, again, this gentleman was older with underlying health issues and it has nothing to do with him. It has to do with who these people in the media really are. I received an email from someone who I know has been listening to me for a while because I remember the email address. And he wrote, hey, Rink, my ancestors fought in the Revolutionary War, War to win our freedom and independence. I'm a member of a patriotic organization, the Sons of the Revolution. 
we encourage anyone with ancestors who fought in the Revolutionary War to join us. We celebrated Washington's birthday. Let me make this a little bit bigger so I can read it. Yesterday, and remembered his farewell address that had 20 warnings, which our current politicians have forgotten about. Number 11 comes to mind with the current conversation on your show. So I'm going to take this as faith. I don't remember this to be exact, but I'm going to believe him. And he said the 20 unheeded warnings in Washington's farewell address were this. I'll give you them. One, be vigilant. People will seek to use the government for selfish ends. Two, avoid overgrown military establishments They are hostile to liberty. He's dead on. I mean, think about this was George Washington and those first two things are happening today. Number three, prevent all obstructions to the execution of the laws. Number four, control bureaucracies. Make sure they all work together. Obama's people came out later and said, "Ah, well, Obama thought he can do something with this government, but it's so big. One person can't handle it. Number five, avoid political parties. They will cause divisive factions and unscrupulous men will use them to undermine the government. Number six, give allegiance to the Constitution. Improve it as necessary. Number seven, do not alter the Constitution lightly or based on hypothesis. Apply the experience applied when it was created. Number eight, be suspicious of administrators. They may serve themselves rather than the people. Number nine, watch for consolidation of power in any department of government. That's happening in our, our secret service agencies and FBI in that. Number 10, preserve existing checks and balances and add more where power needs to be checked. Number 11, which he pointed out earlier in his email, he was reminded of on our conversation today. Number 11, religion and morality are essential to create the virtue necessary to preserve the union. Number 12, promote widespread education. Democracy requires literate citizens that understand the system of governance and takes responsibility for themselves. Well, we have widespread education. And to whatever extent you believe, we have a literate citizenship. But they don't understand the system of governance. That's the problem. And they don't take responsibility, many, for themselves. That's the problem. Number 13, avoid debt and immediately discharge any debt created by war. (laughs) Number 14, taxes are unpleasant. Government spending should be candidly conducted. Number 15, cultivate peace and justice towards all nations. Number 16, avoid alliances and maintain neutrality among nations. Number 17, Avoid dependency. A weak state that allies with a stronger state will become its servant. Number 18. Real patriots will resist intrigues while dupes will surrender to interest. Number 19. In trade, give no nation a favored nation status. And number 20. Again, these are all warnings 20 warnings in Washington's farewell address. Number 20. 
and probably the biggest one. And in fact, I brought this up with Congressman Heisinga this morning in my interview with him. Be guided by principles, not interests. If you remember, I asked him, what is that guiding whatever I wrote? Not the guiding light. That's a soap opera. But the guiding principles or line that you follow. Well, we just put another one in the books. I appreciate all you guys for calling or for listening to the show. Glad we were able to have that interview with Chris Line from the Freedom from Religion Foundation. Got his thoughts. And Congressman Heisinga, who's now running for uh, Congress in the four, the newly created 4th District against probably Upton. Have a great day. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.